0: Well, good morning, church. Try one more time. Good morning, church. Oh, there you are. Do you have your Bibles? If you do, say yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Today, we wrap up our series entitled Essentials of the Way. If you enjoyed this series, have you? Have you? If you have, clap your hands. Come on. As we wrap up our series this morning, Essentials of the Way, we are reminded of how we started five weeks ago. Five weeks ago, we asked this simple question, how's your vision? So, anyone seeing any better? Anyone? 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on. How many fingers am I holding up? Perfect. I heard six, eight, and two (laughs) on. We asked the question, how is your vision? Today, you could kind of look at this as your spiritual um, eye exam follow-up. Each and every week, we said this: Please, 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 come into this room. Treat it, uh, treat it as if, as, it, as if, as if it is another opportunity for you to sit under the teaching of God to learn what is the way of Jesus. Allow it to be measured against the way you have been viewing things. The reality is, we've looked at a lot of eye charts uh, over over the course of the weeks, have we not? We've looked, we've looked, we've looked at a lot of eye charts. Does this look like an eye chart to you, uh, Bud? The top letter up there is E. Thank you very much. A or B? Anyone? One or two? We've received a whole lot of information, have we not? This one, Rachel, or this one, Brent? The goal after every eye exam, the goal after every eye exam is that you would leave, that you would leave the examination room seeing more clearly than when you first went in. Are you seeing more clear? Are you seeing the way of Jesus? Is the way of Jesus what you thought it was? Are there areas in the realm of the way of Jesus where you're like, hey, you know what? That's a little bit of a nuance that I hadn't quite seen before. We said this. uh, The goal for this series was to first see the way so that we could then show the way. We want to see the way so that we can show the way. Uh, Two points. Give me point one. Say "See see the way. Now say show the way. All right, see the way. Friends, how difficult, how much more difficult is life when you're not seeing things clear? <laughs> you all uh, remember, maybe, hopefully you were here five weeks ago, and you uh, remember the story when I first learned uh, that I couldn't see things so clearly. Uh, do we have that picture? Do we have that, uh, that, that, that amazing moment in my life? Come on, take a look at that. That is, that is um, Titus Lingenfelter at the age of eight. Kidding. Kidding. That is me, I believe, around the age of five or six. Anyone have glasses like that when you were a kid? Anyone? 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 All right, now I'm going to come over here. Anyone have glasses like that right now because they are super cool again? (laughs) They all said no, and they said, Pastor, you're dreaming. All good. (laughs) You remember the first five or six years of my life, I couldn't see things clear. I tripped, I failed, and I wandered my way through life. Uh, the crazy thing was what? I didn't know I couldn't see. There's a lot of people who were going through life, spiritually speaking, who were wandering about, not even knowing that they can't see. Why? How is it possible? Because when blurry is all you've ever seen, blurry is all you ever know. You have nothing to weigh it against. It's not until, it's not until we see the truth. It's not until we understand the truth. You know, it wasn't until I realized the truth about myself, the truth about me, Forget about everybody else for a second. It wasn't until I realized the truth about me that I I was deficient in some way, that it was my sight that was actually impaired, that I was the one wandering about, that something needed to happen in me and for me so that I could begin to actually get clear on where it was I needed to go. You know, it's possible that you can go into the exam room and if you choose to not answer the one or two, A or B, or be willing to actually admit that you can't see the eye exam screen, it's not until you finally admit that your vision can be cleared up. But you can go in that exam room over and over and over again and you can pretend like you could see. I had a friend who faked his way through every time. Not quite sure how he made it. Pretty good guesser, I guess. I know a lot of people in the church who've done the same thing. Once I realized the truth about myself, once I put those glasses on for the first time, my word, oh my word, when I saw the way clearly for the first time, my mind was blown. And now one of my greatest fears, if I can be honest, one of my greatest fears in life some of you, so there are people among us who actually do uh, live incredibly uh, with impaired vision or blindness, but I have to admit to you, one of my fears now knowing the difference is like, is like going back and not being able to see. Like here's the deal, like I have this irrational fear that at any point my, both my contacts could pop out and I would fall off the stage. It's like that, it's like that crazy. It's like I would travel, I would lose my contact, and then I would go to my toiletry bag and my glasses wouldn't be there, and I would be stuck on the other side of the world with just wandering about like I was in the fifth grade all over again, like a really bad reoccurring dream where I couldn't find my way to the kindergarten class, only it was like east bit where I am now. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone else have this fear? I'm the only one? Great. This is going to be a good illustration. The amazing thing is, um, (laughs) the physical fear of losing my vision is doubly so for many when it comes to their faith. Jesus said, I came into the world that those who cannot see may see. I came into this world that those who cannot see may see. As scary as it may be to lose your physical vision, friends, I ask you what fear would ever grip your heart if you were to lose your physical, your spiritual sight having now seen. The good news, the joy that stands before us is this, is that Jesus came to show the way. Jesus came to give sight. And once he's opened your spiritual eyes, once he's given you the sight to see, there is never, ever, 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 ever a chance of you losing it ever again. If that's good news, just say amen. Amen. From here forward, God's desire for you is to continue only to have clearer and clearer and clearer vision. You see, there's no fear in losing the way now. Why? Because Jesus himself is the way. Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you, never will he leave you wandering about ever, 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 ever again. Matthew chapter 7, we said he is the way of eternal life, but not only that, he is the way of life. Narrow is the gate. Those who enter by it are few. So what do we need to do? Enter through that narrow gate. What lies on the other side of the narrow gate? A harder path. A path that you and I are incapable of walking on our own. A path that you and I in and of ourselves we would never, ever, ever be able to actually fulfill and that is the beauty of having sight. That is the beauty of finally receiving clarity of Jesus because once you see that he is the way and you enter through the gate, he now empowers you to live a life you were never, ever capable of living before. And when people see you living the impossible life, they scratch their head and they go, How is that possible? That dude was a punk yesterday. I knew that guy in high school. I used to work with her, and she wasn't like that. Here's the deal. From now till heaven, from now till heaven, from now till heaven, clear path for you. That's God's will. From now till heaven clearer path for you. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Yeah, 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 we see more than we used to see, but we don't see it all yet. But listen, listen, but then one day we will see Jesus face to face. Are you looking forward to that? You see clearer than you did before, but you don't see it all yet. It's coming. But day in and day out, we get to be sanctified, transformed into the image of Jesus. Our view, our focus comes even more and more clear. One day we will stand before him and it will all make sense. Then I shall fully know, the apostle Paul says, even as I have been fully known. Catch it. One day you will see things as clearly as Jesus sees you. And so the question is, how do we go about? The question is, how how does the way of Jesus come into clear focus for us? How do we clarify even more so, how do we see all the more clearly the way of Jesus? How do we be sure that our prescriptions, our spiritual prescription, is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger? Matthew 28 was our core text for this series. Some of you all ought to know it by heart for now. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to it. Go ye therefore into all the world. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Go ye therefore into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see it? We become disciples by seeing Jesus is the way. And then we actually grow and We grow in our ability to walk in his way. We see his way more clearly when we learn what he taught and obey what he commanded. You want to walk life more clear? Come sit at the feet of Jesus. You want to walk life? You want to know what your next step in life is? Come again and hear what Jesus has to say. Come to his teaching. Obey all that he commanded. Come, sit, learn at the feet of Jesus. Read your Bible. What does the red letters say? And then what did the apostles do with them? Our eyes are opened by seeing Jesus as the way and our pathway becomes more clear when we obey his commands. Matthew 28 is called the Great Commission. You all know this. By way, this is a review. This is your follow-up checkup. Who did Jesus give the Great Commission to on that mountain that day? Anyone? Anyone who was present? Who was present? Who was at least present? Who do we know who was at least present? Someone, 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 say it. The, yes, the 11 disciples were there, minus Judas, right? The 11 disciples were there. These were the guys that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, worked with Jesus, ministered with Jesus, actually did miracles on behalf of Jesus, right? Came back and asked Jesus questions, why it didn't work. Like all These were the guys who actually were with Jesus all that time. And Jesus looks them in the eye and says, listen, go, go. Carry forth all that I teach my gospel and carry forth all that I taught. And so, what these guys did with that command is crucial for us to understand what it is we're supposed to do. The Great Commission is the mission of the church. It was a mission that Jesus gave to his disciples for them to pass down to all of us, to every generation. This is why we are here. They were to go preach the gospel baptized those who believed into his church, and then they were to establish the church into the teachings of Jesus so that the church would then live and walk in his way and that they would then do the same. So you see, those who then walk in the way of Jesus, they then go. They then preach the gospel. They then celebrate people being baptized into the faith, and they then also extend the way of, they live the way of Jesus and offer it to others. How's that going for you? See the way, show the way. See the way, show the way. See the way, show the way. way. These apostles obeyed Jesus' command. They preached, preached, They planted churches and they taught the way. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then they wrote letters back to those churches. Hold up your Bible if you have it. Hold up your Bible if you have your Bible. Yes, yes, your phone counts. You're you're totally good. You're totally good. I'll make fun of you next sermon, not this one. What you're holding in your hands, you can put it down now, especially in the New Testament, are letters that these church leaders and these apostles wrote back to those churches to make sure that they were actually walking in the way. And so when you study the New Testament with a biblical theology in mind, when you begin to read through the New Testament letters, you get what you got in this series. You begin to see a pattern develop. And so what you learn is the apostles taught the church, the way, so well and so well known was the fact that they were walking in a new way that the church itself was actually called the way. Like capital T, capital W, like proper noun, the way. Say the way. way. You, just, you just said the name of the early church. What was the name of the early church? Say it again. Way. It was the way. Are you people of the way? If you are, say yes were people of the way. In Acts chapter 9, it says the Apostle Paul was persecuting those who were of the way. Here's the really, really, really cool thing, though. The Apostle Paul, remember, was blinded, got saved, and then started serving Jesus. He got arrested for doing so. and when he, he went in front of Felix, the governor. Listen to what he says to him. I confess to you, Felix, the governor, that according to the way the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Look, I persecuted the way. Now I walk in the way, but make no mistake, it's the same God, the same Father. This is nothing new. I haven't diverged at all. As a matter of fact, I see things more clearly than I ever saw them before. You see, the apostle Paul was accused of being crazy. He's like, yo, I ain't crazy. I'm seeing more clear than I've ever seen before. You been there? When everybody else thinks you're walking around dizzy and blurred, you're probably walking straight. Because you see the way, because you see the way, because you see the way. And when we see the way, friends, the Lord calls us to show the way to others. See the way? Show the way. So how's your vision? How's your vision? Ready for your, are you ready? That was review. You ready? Are you ready now? If you're ready, say yes. Are you ready for your checkup? Guys, are we ready in the back? We got some, do we have some like eye chart slides up there? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see how we're doing. Um, real quick, real quick. This is the easy one. How many fingers this time? Okay, for the four of you who participated, well, well done. <laughs> Love you all. All right, so remember, Jesus is the way. Jesus empowers us to walk the way. And so, um, can you see? Can you see? Can you see? Let's put up the first eye chart. Let's see how they're doing. Okay, can you? Oh, I don't know if that's blurry enough. Let's see. Um, he empowers our, he empowers our, say it with me. Say he empowers our, say heart. Heart, heart. there it is. Oh, look at that. Secondly, then, he entrusts us into something. Can you see it? He entrusts us into a, he entrusts us into a, say family. Excellent. And then he establishes us, doesn't he? He establishes us into his church. church. And then finally, he equips us to make a, a world impact awesome so now each week we kind of did this overview on week one we laid this out for you god wants your heart he puts you into a family he entrusts you into his church and then he sets you up for impact into our world that was the high level view and then each week pastor nate pastor brett came and they dove deeply into each and every one of these aspects of the way of jesus let's put it all together this is the way of jesus Repent, repent, believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. The way of Jesus begins with the proclamation of Jesus Christ that he is the Messiah, the predicted Messiah from ages past, that he then came, lived a perfect life, died a painful death, went to the cross to die for your sins, was buried in a tomb, rose three days later, triumphant over sin, death, and the grave. And he now offers you eternal life. Somebody say amen. And he offers you this eternal life. And when we repent of our sins and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He forgives us of all that we have done to offend Him. And in that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. You see, the Lord empowers our hearts through the message of the gospel. He revives our hearts through the message of the gospel, and then when our heart is empowered with the message of the gospel, his Holy Spirit now takes residency in our hearts, and now new virtue, spiritual virtue flows out of me that wasn't there before. You know, things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience. Anyone? Now that this new virtue is in my heart, the, B- the Bible says this I'm now able to also renew my mind, it says. Take old thoughts captive. I feel new things, and now I think new things because I'm in His Word. And because I have the gospel's power, the Holy Spirit in me, new virtues, new thoughts, I now can do what? Put off my old life and put on the new. Sound familiar? You see that over and over and over again in your New Testament. That's the way of Jesus, new way of life. He came to show you a new way to live. And now that you have this new empowered heart, what does he do? He entrusts you into a family. He places you into his family where he is God the Father. And so no matter what your relationship was like in the past... Salvation not only comes with an empowered heart, it comes with a new secure relationship and a divine heavenly father who loves you more than you will ever know. Empowered heart, entrusted into a family, God is now our father. And then he empowers you to be the member of the family that he's called you to be. Do you know that the Bible the bible the bible speaks and gives you instruction on how to be a secure single person a gifted used by god single person He teaches you how to be a strong, loving husband who provides and provides spiritual leadership in the home. Do you, know, do you know that the scriptures teach, ladies, how for you to fulfill all that the Lord has called you to be, how you can be of one flesh and be used of him to do mighty things. Do you know the Bible? Yes, you do. I know you do. The Bible teaches how you can honor your parents even when they're a little squirrely. Empowered heart, entrusted into a family. And then when we allow those virtues to flood these relationships into our family, we then bring our family into the church. Because you know what? The church is actually a family of families. Did you know that? The church is called a family of families. We are one big family. Uh, turn to whoever's beside you and say appropriately, hey, brother, or hey, sister, do it. Just do that. Do that. All right, all right, all right. Now now turn the other way and tell somebody else. Tell somebody else. Just say, hey brother. Hey, hey, sister. If they look older than you, say what's up, Pops. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Okay, go ahead and do that. That's funny. The church is a family of families. The deal is the church is a place where we ought to be able to find a place to belong, a place to become all that the Lord has called us to be. It's here in his church where we realize that he has gifted us with a spiritual gifting that is inexplicable. A boldness comes over you that you haven't felt before. And there's a motivation deep inside of you to want to serve like you haven't served before, to want to encourage like you haven't encouraged before to be merciful in ways you've never really cared before, to exhort and spur each other on in ways that you hadn't done before. Where does that come from? Well, it's the empowered heart, but where does it find its place? Oh, my word, your spiritual giftedness comes alive in the church. It's here in the church that you're equipped for what? For what? World impact. World impact. World impact. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says, these are my brothers and my sisters. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the outermost parts of the earth. And so what are we called to do? Jesus calls us to reach the person right in front of us. Then he calls us, to have an impact in our communities, to do good, Titus chapter 3. He calls us to be submissive and influential to governing authorities. Why? Because he ultimately wants us to impact our nation, but he has a way for us to do it that isn't being angry and vengeful on Facebook and stuff. The end stuff is for you to fill in, whatever I missed there. And there's a world, there's a world, there's a world, there's a world that God desires to use you to reach. How do we reach the world? By you being willing to talk to the person who's right in front of you. Think if we all just were willing to talk to the person who's right in front of us. And then, as we spoke to the people in front of us, we were then we're, were willing to serve our community with good. And then if we served our community with good and we didn't join the ranting, raging other voices around our nation, that maybe we would be able to project uh, the love that Christ has called us to put forth. Maybe people would stop and notice and ask, what makes you different? Why aren't you losing your head? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is going to return, yo. and He's going to make it all right. Say amen. Amen. He's going to make it all right. He wins. My ranting doesn't bring him back sooner. I feel like I'm getting too preachy here. Move to the next one. The world! That's how we reach the world. That's how we reach the world. By being the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus as he calls us to be. When you see this way, what I want you to, what I want you to feel is not a yoke of burden placed upon you. What I long for you to feel is a weight-lifted, Because if you think about it, all of this, all of this is what you're called to do in everyday life. Think about it. Walking with Jesus is not bolting on more stuff. It's getting the stuff you're already doing right in his strength and power. Think about it. I want to have new virtue, but now I've learned it's about me submitting to Jesus, Like I want to think the right thoughts and now I've learned it's about getting in his word. Not about me having mind control. I want to put off my old life and put on the new, but what have I just learned? Jesus, Jesus is the power source. I don't want to have conflict in my home. Perfect! The way of Jesus is here for you. When your heart's empowered, your home's going to feel that. you see, this is not a bolt-on. This is what you're already like striving to try to figure out already. Man, who doesn't want to belong on this earth? Who doesn't want to have a place where you belong and you can become all that the Lord has called you to be? That's what the church is supposed to do. And who doesn't want to leave an impact when your life is done? This is as simple as living life itself, but it's not easy. That's what makes it miraculous, and that is exactly what makes it powerful. But once you see this way, the Lord then calls you to show others the way you're going to become an attractional force when you live this way. And you're also going to become a wretched scent to others. So those who God's drawing to himself, they're going to be drawn to this way. And those who despise this way are going to despise you. That's what Jesus says. One of the pastors in our region got a um, voicemail at midnight last night from a member of the Church of Satan Got a text this morning and said, Would you have your church pray? That they said they were going to come to our church and prophesy a message of Satan over the church. Whoa. Why do I bring this up right now? Because there's always opposition to the way. There's always opposition to the way. But the opposition isn't flesh and blood, ultimately, it's spiritual forces that reside in heavenly places who capture the heart of men and women to do the bidding of evil. But we walk another way. And when you see this way, God calls you to show the way. One of our desires has been from the beginning is to codify this, to put it in print in a curriculum that we could then transfer throughout our church so it wouldn't just be a preaching series that would come and go and And we're working on that, and we're just praying that the Lord would use that in a powerful way. But so much more beyond just a preaching series, so much more long lasting than a curriculum could ever be. The thing that I want you to grasp today is this it's the power of Jesus' church. Who is the church? Say me. Me. Who's the church? One more time. Who's the church? Me. Me. You are the church. When you hear us up here sometimes ranting and raving about the church, we're not talking about the bureaucratic structure. We're talking about you. We're talking about us. We're talking about the order which God put forth in his way for the church to be and the church to become. And what I want you to catch is this. The church is the very buttress and support and pillar of the way of Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. And then in Ephesians chapter three, he said it was through the church that the wonderful glory of God would be made known to the world. And so the church is to be a spiritual eye clinic. It's supposed to be a place where blind receive sight and where the wanderer finds their way. A place where everyone can be strengthened in the way of Jesus. And so what I want you to catch this morning is that the church, our church, the ministry of our church is actually structured around the way of Jesus. The ministries of our church are actually structured around the way of Jesus. Guys, would you just come up here? I want you, would you welcome our pastors this morning? Come on. And so, what I want you to catch this morning is that burner.
1: Just filling in.
0: Four? Pastor Brett, of course. For Pastor Brett, of course. You're a fantastic fill in for Pastor Brett, for sure. Pastor Brett, is that a weekend? Yes, thank the Lord for him. And so put up that, put up that clear spiritual eye exam. I want you to catch heart, family, church, world. Heart, family, church impact. Heart, family, church impact. Uh, guys, um, just introduce yourselves and what you, what the Lord has called you to do here at our church, and I think you're going to see clearly uh, how, how, how this shapes out. Go
1: ahead. As you said, I'm Jared Berner. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as our Director of Production and Digital Ministry. As Pastor Jerry said, uh, I get to serve alongside Pastor Brett, who is our Pastor of Worship and Production, and he is an awesome leader.
2: I'm Jared. I serve as uh, the pastor that oversees our next generation families, and um, I have an amazing team that uh, serve with uh, some directors and um, some great administrative assistants, and uh, some amazing and the best volunteers here in our church. So, shout out to you, youth workers and kids workers, as well. Yep. Yep.
3: I'm Nate. The Nate, the no, original. I, the no, origi- I am. no, the original. I am. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as Pastor of Congregational Life. Essentially, that just means that I receive small groups and
0: soul care here at our church.
4: And I'm also Pastor Nate, but different than that Pastor Nate in many different ways.
0: I wouldn't have been able to tell by looking at the two of you. <laughs> Stunning.
4: I am the Pastor of Ministry and Mission here at Mission Church and overseeing leadership development and uh, sending people out into the mission.
3: Okay.
2: Um, yeah, I was gonna say we really like order around here, but Jared, Jared, Nate, Nate is a little creepy, maybe.
3: It's the way. It's the order. The pattern. It's hidden in the
2: text. Focus. <laughs> he says this multiple times in a week to us.
0: <laughs> Worship, the Lord desires your heart. Family. A pastor of family and next generation who is thinking uh, from the time a person is born in our church through our children's ministry, to students, to young adults, to singles, all the way through to our men's and our women's group, Pastor Jared is thinking about families in our church. Are you catching this? It's not just a curriculum. It's not just a sermon series. This is ministry to us. The Lord wants your heart. The Lord wants you in a family. and We want to see you grow in your role in the family. A pastor of congregational life, that is church, that is church. And so Pastor Nate, watching him on a daily basis, uh, think about how the Lord is um, ordering and coming around and how the church is being shepherded is a huge blessing to me. And then impact, impact, a little bit of impact happening, smoke rolls out of Pastor Nate's office on a regular basis as, um, as impact is happening here and all around the world. And so, uh, Jared, let's start with you. Talk to us a little bit about how um, the role within the worship ministry, uh, how does that, how are you all going after the heart on a Sunday morning, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, a whole, a whole Sunday morning service is designed to capture our hearts. Uh, we learned from Pastor Nate that God wants our heart and he wants our whole heart, right? He wants our heart as being the center of us, our mind, our will, emotion. Jesus wants to be the center of that. And so our services on a Sunday morning are designed to bring us to that point where the Holy Spirit can work on our hearts. Uh, even something simple like the way that we plan our worship sets, uh, we number each song in one to five, not based on uh, energy or dynamics or anything like that. We number every song based on the lyrics of the song. A one is a, a gathering song. A two is song of thanksgiving, where we can just thank the Lord for what he's doing. A three is a song of testimony, sharing what the Lord has done in our lives. A four is a song of purification, confessing to the Lord that we need him. Bringing us to the five, which is always the last song that we sing. A five is pure ascription to the Lord. All right, we sing this morning, worthy is the lamb seated on the throne, focusing our attention, focusing our heart entirely on him, bringing us to prayer, and then
0: hearing uh, the Word of God. Yeah, ending this morning with worthy of it all. I just want <laughs> you guys to hear from me that the prayer time is the pinnacle of our service. Oh, that's right. It's the pinnacle of our service. Um, the sermon is to then... Bolster our spirits and to unite our hearts and to equip us uh, for what the Lord has for us, right in, in this day and in the coming week, and, and, and how He wants our minds to be renewed. but make no mistake, when we are worshiping the Lord, when we come into that time of prayer, how can, the, how, can, how can coming before the throne of God to bring our request before Him not be the pinnacle of the worship service? Somebody help me. That's the pinnacle of the service. The sermon's not the main event. it's crucial, but it's not the main event. And so uh, the Lord wants our heart, our mind, and our emotion. So engaging the mind with true lyrics, allowing for us to express emotion to the Lord is crucial. We're not looking for Stoics in this way. The scriptures are clear, right? So that we then can have response. Uh, Talk to us about some things that you're working on as it pertains to response.
1: Yeah, so we're working on an after-service prayer team. Uh, You'll hear every week. Uh, There's people up front who are here to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, We know this is Lancaster County, and so coming up to the front might not be your thing. So we're working on having people all around the room so that after the service, you can respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart. We want to normalize praying with someone at the end of the service. It isn't just a time where you uh, can—we want you to, if there's strongholds in your life, we want you to confess that and share those things, but it's not just for that. It's just if you feel the Holy Spirit— doing something in your heart telling you to take a next, a next step telling you to surrender something to him find someone and pray, pray with them and the most exciting thing that you could ask for prayer for is if you feel the Holy Spirit working in your heart and calling you to him for, for salvation and so that would be um, that would be probably the most exciting part definitely the most exciting part of a Sunday morning if you were to say to someone on that after service prayer team you know what, I don't know Jesus but I want to And then that leads us into baptism, which is just taking the next step of obedience in what Jesus has called us to do. And baptisms most often happen at nights of worship. Let's go. Which, shameless plug for night of worship, if you have not been to a night of worship, let's go. Get there. Mm. Night of worship is just an incredible time of prayer and worship and baptisms, just hearing testimonies of what the Lord is doing and being able to. gather together with our family, as Pastor is going to talk about, with our family to uh, talk to the Lord, to worship Him,
0: and uh, hear what's happening here at our church. God does the best work in your heart when you are operating from the get-to, not the have-to. And so we live in Lancaster County, and so, sorry, my back to you. Um, We live in Lancaster County where Sunday morning is part of like what you do right? And so we come to church and we're so thrilled. It doesn't have to be that way. Many of you are here because you want to be for sure. But we have found this night of worship, which is the kind of the next opportunity that is not a have to. There's no expectation attached to it. Like the people who are coming there are just there because they want to worship Jesus and be with others who want to do the same. God is doing amazing things. Like those are the spots where like true revival breaks out in a person's heart. Note it. uh, It's true. So, Jared, well done. Thank you for the work that you and Pastor Brett and the other members of our worship team are doing. God empowers our hearts, and passionate worship, fervent prayer is a reflection of that for sure. Pastor Jared, talk to us about your heart. What fires you up about the realm of being entrusted into families?
2: Well, you know, the Lord designed family uh, on purpose, and for some of it is uh, to provide structure and order in our society. For some of it is uh, to uh, pass on um, the, the, the teaching, the faith as well. Um, but it's also ultimately to understand who he is when we talk about a father and when we're as we were greeting our brothers and sisters this morning um, it it gives us that uh, on a micro level to understand on the family and so that's where my heart is it's uh, it's been that for the number of years I've been on staff here Um, it's been a privilege the elders have afforded me the privilege to oversee our kids ministry and what a blessing it is to see uh, so many of our, our children um, continuing uh, to just understand the, the truths of, of the gospel that are being in the home and then able to come uh, into the building and to be able to, to share what the Lord is teaching them. And as we walk beside them um, as they're, they're growing and um, uh, with our students, we have uh, so many students. I see them over here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's my peeps over there. And um, they, uh, you know, as, as mom and dads are, are navigating the season, of, of, of teenagers, um, those of you that have been there, I don't need to say too much more uh, with that, I'm in the uh, throes of it right now, and um, you know, in a good way, don't get me wrong, I love my, love my kiddos. In a great way. In a great way, amazing way, see them over there, They're, like rolling their eyes now, <laughs> as a good teenager should do, so, um, but uh, <laughs> You know, but obviously navigating that season, uh, we know that that's a season of, of owning their faith, um, really, uh, you know, what, what they've been taught at home, what they've been taught in the church as they're becoming more independent, so uh, walking through that season, uh, we just love having so many young adults around here, I'm just so blessed to have uh, so many young adults uh, here as they're in that transition of, of, of this new identity of a new season of life, and um, really uh, seeing how they fit even amongst their family, um, now that they're out of the house, but being a, a son and daughter. Some of them are just starting the, the journeys of marriage. And um, so we love just even uh, thinking about um, our young adults and being equipped uh, within, within, uh, as a family uh, member as well. And then, of course, uh, with our men's and women's, uh, groups uh, They are just times of being able to fill them up, to equip them, to be able to, to go into their context, to be able to make a difference in their homes for moms and dads. But even for our singles, um, as they are such a vital part um, of our discipleship of our ki- kids and teenagers, young adults, and just the mentoring uh, that takes place there. And so just even providing an avenue where they are a, a bedrock and even supporting um, our families as well.
0: So the ministry that you feel on a regular basis, if you wonder what's happening in our children's ministry, that's what's happening. Uh, Right now, there is is worship in our gymnasium uh, with all the children gathered together. They're worshiping the Lord, singing songs like you're singing this morning. They go back to their classroom. They receive instruction and teaching. And then guess what they do? They break up into small groups, right, where they then can share prayer requests and they can care for one another. That's happening in our kids. That's happening in our student ministry. And so I just love that, that it's, it's satur- this path of ministry is saturating every area of our church. Now, one of the blessings in this realm and the blessings of pastoral ministry is longevity. And Pastor Jared is in year number... 12. Year number 12. Would you thank the Lord for that? That is amazing. And so having been called out of, uh, out of public teaching to step into this role of ministry, now 12 years ago that happened, you seem like you're due for a little bit of a rest. And so uh, Pastor Jared has a sabbatical coming up. Uh, share with us what you're going to do uh, on with your time. Eight weeks or so, go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking uh, forward to that. It's something that uh, came on the radar here a little bit uh, just recently, but um, yeah, I've loved uh, ministry. The Lord has still given me a heart for our kids and teens and um, even our kids and teens here at Mission Church, I still, um, yeah, I just feel like the Lord still has more work for me to do. I don't wanna presume upon the Lord, Um, but just to be able to get uh, some space over the summer uh, to be able to um, see what's next for our students and teens. We've been, we've had, uh, we've just been blessed with an influx of. Of teenagers, um, you know, just when I first started 12 years ago when like, you know, some of these kids here were like, oh, so I'm born or, you know, in kindergarten, you know, and have, I have some pictures of them like that, you know, nice. you know, but now that they're in high schoolers. Um, but to be able to uh, get some space to be able to see what the Lord has for us, the culture has changed over the 12 years. And so how are we equipping families um, to be able to navigate that? But also how are we um, as, uh, as leaders here at Mission Church uh, able to um, speak into whether it's the sexual identity, just the, all the culture that it is, and um, our kids are facing a different culture than what I was, what I grew up in, and so uh, being able to find some space for that, grow in that area, and um, you know, gather some resources, be able to help equip families. I'm also looking forward to I have uh, some teenage uh, kids at home, being able to spend some time and just spending some uh, dedicated time discipling them, particularly like my boys. Uh, I want to be able to really press in on this season for them, and uh, don't look in the back row, but my wife and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary because. She's gonna to be totally uh, horrified that I just called her out nice. from the stage.
0: She's right back there, Very right there.
2: <laughs> Hi. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're gonna be able to celebrate her 20th anniversary as well. And just, uh, yeah, I'm super pumped about that as well.
0: So good. You gonna say something?
4: Well, first I was gonna say, you're dead meat. <laughs> you know, if you can get to your anniversary celebration. <laughs> But no, I I was just, something that we said earlier in our our pastoral meeting earlier this week is that we're just, um, that relates to this whole essentials of the way and family and students, like we have seen as families have been strengthened, the impact that we see on students then as well. And so, really, as we see students mature and hang with the student ministry, uh, they many times, oftentimes, would leave sooner than their graduation. They would stop coming to youth group, but we're not seeing that anymore. We're seeing kids come all the way through, and as we see families really well-established the impact is then on students, and just a, that's just a small, tangible way, um, but uh, what a value for you to be focused on families and really growing those things. That does impact the next generation. The way, actually, is how that is happening.
0: Yeah, praise God for that. We say this over and over. You can measure the strength of a student ministry by the size of the graduating class, because high schoolers, they drive, they find freedom, and they don't always, quote, unquote, have to come to church, and they're choosing to come. They're choosing to be engaged. They're choosing to walk in the way of Jesus. Oh, my word. Praise God for that. And so just pray for Pastor Jared during this time. Uh, we're quickly, quickly, quickly approaching like that, that point of like 200 students and our student ministry. And so as ministries grow, we want to work hard to feel small. As, as the ministry grows, we need to work harder to feel small so we can disciple on the personal level. That's the way of Jesus. Not just to fill rooms, but to change individual hearts. And that has to be at every level of ministry in in our church. Speaking of, Pastor Nate, Pastor of Congregational Life, yes, talk to us. Oh man,
3: uh, so Pastor Brett did such a good job teaching us of what the church is responsible to do. The church is responsible to establish us. God has established the church to establish us. Amen? Amen. And so um, there's so much I could say about small groups. Uh, I remember 14 years ago when my wife and I were looking for a church, we visited on a weekend. You were preaching on small groups. And so ever since then, it's been a vital part of our own personal discipleship and so very important to our, even our marriage and how we raise our kids and just the community of life that we find ourselves in. And so I just want to share two things with you about small groups. I want to share a beautiful thing and an encouraging thing. A beautiful thing about small groups here at Mission Church is that we have over 40-plus couples, husband and wife teams, leading small groups in our church. That is a beautiful thing. Amen. Yeah, you can apply for that for sure. Uh, the reason why... The reason why it's beautiful is because there's such great unity and diversity in that group of people, and they're all leading in their own giftedness and their own strengths, and they're creating their own cultures within their small groups. They have their experiences, perspectives, and giftedness that they get to bless, and when I read Ephesians 4, and I see Paul talking about uh, uh, leaders equipping saints for the work of ministry, and then the body of Christ building itself up in, up in love, I look at that team of people and I see it happening. And so it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's just really awesome. And so if you're here and you're a husband and wife team and you're just curious of what it means even to be a small group leader or if you feel like that's a next step for you, I'd love to have a conversation with you more about that for sure. But an encouraging thing about our church, and it's been the case ever since we've been here, is that 80% or more of our people who call Mission Church home are connected to a small group here at our church. And so yep. if you're here and you're not connected to a small group, I would love, again, to have a conversation with you for sure, but 80% is a good number, but it still means we have work to do. 20% more. That's right, because we are, look around, like, what, 30-plus percent growth over the last year, year and a half? Correct. And so, praise God for that, but we, we need to make room for you to find your place in community here at Mission Church, so... And you're equipping, you're equipping new leaders, right? As you yeah, either... yep. So we have a uh, monthly meeting where we try to provide some substantive, tangible way to equip them, strengthen them, refresh them as leaders. Um, and then we do, a, um, twice a year, we do a training for future potential small group leaders. And so that training, though, is not an obligation for you to step into a leadership role, but it's a great way for you to distinguish what it means to be a leader here and for you to discern uh, what the Lord would have for you.
0: Yes, I am in a small group. I love my small group. I'm breaking the rules right now, and I'm currently leading my small group, uh, but I, as, even in the role that I fill, I just love going to a small group, participating in a small group, having a place where I can share what's happening in my life. I can be prayed over. My family can be loved on. Uh, if this is the place for me where I can just, just take a deep breath, and not have to lead and just be. That's the goal for where I would love to see uh, my small group uh, be for me, for sure. So, what about soul care? Yeah, soul care. So, am
3: I gone?
0: No, there we go. So, I also oversee uh,
3: soul care here at Mission Church. And so, you might be asking yourself, what is soul care? Ask yourself that question real quick What, what is, soul is soul care? Yeah, soul care. Soul care is discipleship. Okay, and so discipleship happens at every level. should be happening at every level of our church. Soul care is that cup of coffee you grab with someone uh, to to talk with them, pray with them, listen to the burdens that they're bearing, uh, Galatians 6, 1, right? Up to and including any acute situation you find yourself in in this season of life and so i have the privilege of uh, overseeing a soul care team where we get to provide corrective intensive care for people Um, but soul care is happening in your small groups the soul care is happening in the lobby soul care is happening in the parking lot soul care is happening hopefully in your homes and so soul care happens at every level of discipleship here at our church and so it's just a privilege to uh, watch the team just serve and give
0: tirelessly for jesus Soul care is happening on the one-on-one. Soul care is happening in small groups. But when when pressing needs come into people's lives, Pastor Nate and his team are there to bring discernment and wisdom and help couples work through hard times, work those with hurts, uh, habits, hang-ups, right? Like strongholds in your life, addictions even. Like these are the kinds of things that our soul soul care team is especially trained in. But 70% of the soul care needs in our church are happening on the day today between you and your friends and those you love and within your small group, but we want you to know that there's a team of people as well who are there for those pressing needs. Yeah, think about all the things you've
3: heard so far and will hear up here as it pertains to initiatives that we are uh, looking to to accomplish, whether it's altar prayer, whether it's, you know, providing longevity for teenagers to continue finding a place here. Like, everything at every level is a a portion of soul care, and we're caring for souls. I mean, the church has been called to care for souls, and so that looks different at different stages of
0: life and in different capacities in ministry. That's so good. While well, each of these pastors have an emphasis of their focus, we're all working together in all of these areas all the time. All right, Pastor Nate II. Uh, right.
4: 2.0. I would prefer <laughs>
0: Two, that. 2.0. That's good. That's good. Very, very good. So, so here's the deal with you. So um, you have served as a senior pastor. You've planted uh, churches. You re- you've renewed and revitalized the church on the other side of the world. Like, we, it's... Pretty common knowledge, you could be a senior pastor right now or be somewhere else doing other things. Tell us why you're at mission church
4: yeah, uh, well, the Lord led me here, um, and I think he did that uh, in two ways for in two ways first uh, I really believe that the Lord moves uh, in the mission through spiritual friendships and uh, I'd been connected with this church before. Uh, Jerry and I are are lifelong friends and and, uh, so just as God was moving me in the midst of that, he used that to bring us back to a church that we'd been a part of and planted out of and and God God was just moving in that. But second too, I just really believe in uh, the mission of Mission Church and I believe that God is at work here and that he's directed uh, me specifically here um, not just because of friendship stuff, but because there's a real purpose and, and, and what we 're trying to do and um, and that that the next season of my ministry was going to be helping this particular church in these ways and Wow, what a privilege. Uh, to be at a spot for a church who has cared for us well when we were overseas and um, and now get to link arms and do work together. In those so ways. in the
0: realm of impact, what are you most excited about right now?
4: Yeah, so impact is uh, a world impact. Um, it starts uh, just with community things. And I, I love... Uh, the way our church is engaged in our community, uh, whether it be through events or, or through through our food pantry. Uh, we just did a, a brunch uh, as a thank you to the food pantry volunteers, and Pastor Jerry uh, did a, a devotional. I'm just going to draft right off what he said. He said, you're doing heaven's work. And then the distinction of it's not heavenly work, you're doing heaven's work. This is what's talked about in the end times, Matthew chapter 24, go take a look at it. You fed me, you clothed me. Um, this is the work that we're called to do while we're here. And um, and so I, I love that this church is actively engaged in that and just want to continue to spur us on into those things, whether it be through uh, community impact events that we do, whether it be through our food pantry aspect. Um, this, is, this is the, the Lord's work and, and what he has us doing together right now. And it's such a privilege uh, to be a part of that. Um, I've been asked before, if your church got wiped off the map, would your community miss it or not? and I believe that our community would miss Mission Church, mm-hmm. and we need to continue to be that kind of place. But I, I love that we're not only doing things right here locally, but that we're actively engaged in regional things and in global things as well. And, uh, and so we're super excited as we get better connected to our global partners, you're going to start to hear from us. Our global impact team is working on ways to make sure that we're communicating clearly who our global partners are and what their prayer requests are on a regular basis so that you you can be actively engaged in those things um, and we can support them well from right here in Lancaster. Um, And then we're going to go do some visits. We're going to visit global partners. Uh, Pastor Jerry is going to Scotland uh, at the end of April uh, to Mm. Harvest Glasgow. And and then their senior pastor, Scott Hamilton, is coming on May 21st. It's going to be like the Scott Hamilton day. And I'm not talking about the ice skater. Uh, I'm talking about the pastor (laughs) from Glasgow, who is our global partner, and uh, he's going to be in Sunday morning services, he's going to be at night of worship that night, and you don't want to miss hearing his Scottish accent and and all of those things, and then uh, then just trying to jam it all in here, we're going to take a trip to Mexico. Uh, we're doing a short-term trip to our partner, Pastor Arturo, and the network of churches down there, June 9 to 19. You're going to hear more about those things starting this week. And uh, you need to come join us and come on one of our teams. You need to get your passport ready. Um, we're going to be doing some other trips later in the summer as well. And we uh, greatly excited about the opportunity to kind of move those things together.
0: So good. Did you catch that? Um, if you don't have a passport, you're going to need a passport if you keep attending Mission Church. Are you excited about that? If you are, say yes. yes. Come on, Mexico. How big's that team?
4: Uh, we're. How many want to go? Go ahead. Raise <laughs> raise your hand right now. Okay, take a picture real quick. You're going. Um, we're trying to take a dozen people, or so we'll see. We can. Uh, Tom and Sandy Brown say however many want to show up. That's what they always say. I know, I'm they would scared. would get planes full of people <laughs> yeah, if, if, yeah. They
0: could, if they could. But uh, we're looking. We're, we're, we're now contacting all of our global partners, getting yep. more trips on the calendar. Correct. Talk to us about the ministry module. I think people want to hear.
4: Yeah, so as you guys know, we're uh, super excited to uh, help not only you become a disciple in the way of Jesus, but then start serving in the, in the way of Jesus. Um, uh, one of the things that we talked about in our ministry module yesterday, we kicked off our first session of what's called Road to Ministry. Ministry. Pastor Jared, was, or Jared uh, Schna- who are you? <laughs> Burner was there. Burner. Yeah, anyways. It again. Burner. Uh, you we started, started talking. five
0: names and three titles in that one sentence. <laughs> <laughs>
4: cool. We're talking about how, uh, what is the call to ministry and how it starts with the fact that every single person is called to ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ... You now get to walk in good works prepared in advance for you now to walk in, that every single person, it, listen, there is definitely pastoral ministry call, but first and foremost, we are all ministers of uh, that are called to be doing the work of reconciliation. And um, so we just love the idea that we can raise people who are beginning to sense a, a, a ministry leadership call uh, into that particular role and responsibility. And um, we have two, about 12 guys right now who are doing that and, and just trying to raise them to a spot where they can work uh, as ministers in churches, our church, other churches, regional, global, um, and not only excited for the guys who've been doing this, but we're going to start a new cohort coming this fall, and just a Quick plug, if the Lord is working on you and you're wondering, should I be more involved in leadership in a church, we'd love to have you join that cohort at some point. Pastor Jerry and I are working together really closely on building this and uh, and working on this and um, and all of that because we want to see Mission Network. Uh, we planted Meyerstown this past year, Let's and go. we're already praying about planting the next church. And uh, so we need people, not just the church planting pastor, but important small group leaders and children's workers and every, every aspect of the church we, we are going to need uh, to plant this next church as well. And so we want that to be fueled and prepared and trained in that way.
0: The goal is to grow stronger. Guys, stay here. The goal is to grow stronger. That's the goal of our ministry year. And you may wonder why, why take, a, why take a the month of January and do a five-week series? Why take a Sunday like this, have the pastors come up and share on a panel the way that we do? Whether you're brand new at Mission Church or whether you've been here a long time, Our goal and our prayer is that you would find your place in the mission of God. This is our goal, to make disciples who are loved and sent to the glory of God. God wants your heart. The Lord wants your heart. We are here to worship the Lord. Why? Because he has redeemed and restored us. Would you stand with me? The Lord wants your heart. And when you realize the Lord has captured your heart, what you want next, what you want next is then to join together as the family of God to worship Him, to sing from hearts that are overflowing. To recognize that mission exists because worship doesn't. Therefore, I want to be connected. I want to be equipped. So why? I can care for one another and ultimately reach others so that we can become a sea of voices who bring praise and glory and honor to the name of Jesus. I want you to hear what the Lord is doing here. We are about ready to launch into the book of First Peter. And we're going to be doing expository study for the next lots of weeks and so to take this first month and a half of the year to reset our hearts for you to get the big picture of all that the lord is doing and then for you to ask yourself this morning what would it look like for me to go grow stronger does god have my heart what are things looking like in my family Do I belong? Am I offering care to somebody else and is somebody else caring for me? Am I using my giftedness to serve the Lord and equip others? And Who does God want me to reach? That's the year before us, friends. It doesn't all happen from the front. It happens in you. It happens through you. It happens as all of us join together, lock arms, and go at this thing together. We're on the front end of something. And we're going to look back years from now and we're going to say, remember when? Remember when? Remember when we got serious about getting on the way of Jesus and we didn't look back. That's where we are. Mark it today. Look back and see. Growing stronger. And so, Father, we come and we ask you to have your way in this place. Lord, would you Grab hearts now. Would you convict where needed? Would you be speaking to us about where we need to get our hearts aligned and where we need maybe to grow as husbands or dads or moms or wives or as secure singles who would would be used by you in the work of ministry, God? Would you show us how you would want us to grow as equippers and as, as fellow ministers within the household of God, your church? Would you show us where we can have impact so that ultimately God, we can join our Voices together as a sea of voices offer praise unto your name. May Mission Church always stand as a lighthouse of praise unto you, we pray, in Jesus' name. And all of the church said, Amen.